Amos chapter 5. If you're looking for Amos, think Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos. Just before the New Testament. Shall we stand for the reading of God's word this morning? Amos 5, verse 1. No? <laughs> Hear this word, O house of Israel, this lament I take up concerning you. Fallen is virgin Israel, never to rise again, deserted in her own land, with no one to help her up. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. The city that marches out a thousand strong for Israel will have only a hundred left. The town that marches out a hundred strong will have only ten left. This is what the Lord says to the house of Israel. Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba. For Gilgal will surely go into exile, and Bethel will be reduced to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, or he will sweep through the house of Joseph like a fire. It will devour, and Bethel will have no one to quench it. You who turn justice into bitterness and cast righteousness to the ground, he who made the Pleiades and Orion, who turns blackness into dawn and darkness darkens day into night, who calls the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the land. The Lord is his name. He flashes destruction on the stronghold and brings the fortified city to ruin. You hate the one who reproves in court and despise him who tells the truth. You trample the poor and force him to give you grain. Therefore, though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. Though you have planted lush vineyards, you will not drink their wine. For I know how many your offenses are and how great your sins. You oppress the righteous and take bribes, and you deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Therefore, the prudent man keeps quiet in such times, for the times are evil. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as you say he is. Hate evil, love good. Maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the Lord God Almighty, says. There will be wailing in the streets and cries of anguish in every public square. The farmers will be summoned to weep and the mourners to wail. There will be wailing in all the vineyards, for I will pass through your midst, says the Lord. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion, only to meet a bear, as though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall, only to have a snake bite him. 
Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light? Pitch dark, without a ray of brightness? I hate, I despise your religious feasts. I cannot stand your assemblies. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings forty years in the desert, O house of Israel? You have lifted up the shrine of your king, the pedestal of your idols, the star of your God, which you made for yourselves. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is God Almighty. This is the reading of God's word. Good morning, church. What a privilege to be together this morning. As uh, Alice mentioned in Semi, we are beginning a new series, uh, uh, or I can use the word, we are continuing the series that we started last year. Last year, we looked at the books of Micah, uh, Nahum, Obadiah, and uh, uh, Zechariah. Now, this, this year, we'll continue from there. We'll look at Amos uh, this week. We're looking at Amos 1 to 5. Then next week, uh, our brother Sammy will take us through Amos 6 to 9. The following week, we'll focus on Jose. Uh, We have uh, uh, Simon Andres coming to lead us in that section. And then Reverend Gerard Jumpers will continue with Malachi, will end with Jonah. Um, And the one thing you're going to note uh, today, because... The three books of Amos, Hosea, and Jonah are in the same time period and to the same uh, nation, Israel. I'll be giving background that we'll cover as we'll be continuing through. My prayer is that the Lord is going to uh, speak to us uh, faithfully. Please bow with me as I lead us in prayer. Father, we come before your presence as we begin this series. My prayer is that, Lord, may you faithfully speak to us in this series, and may you faithfully speak to us today, this morning, through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Today's title, we are looking at Seeking the Lord. Funerals, we have heard about them, and we have conducted them for our beloved. And humanly speaking, we don't like funerals because they are sad times of parting ways with our beloved. Of course, musicians in the, in the world have composed specific songs for funerals that most of us may have sung in the recent memorials or funerals for our beloved. So funerals are sad times. But you may be saying to me, why are are you telling us about funerals? And why are you mentioning funeral songs? It is 
Because the passage that we are looking at today is a funeral song for the dead virgin Israel. Strangely though, according to our passage, the passage calls on the dead Israel to seek the Lord. And the question is, how can the dead seek the Lord? Our passage is going to answer that. And to properly understand our passage, it would be good to spend a little bit of time thinking of the historical background to the book of Amos. The book of Amos contains the message of Amos, the prophet who came from Judea. If you read Amos chapter 1, verse 1. Amos was the earliest of the writing prophets who, as I mentioned earlier on, lived during the same time like Jonah, Micah, Hosea, and even Isaiah. So in our series, as we are looking uh, at these books, we'll be focusing on uh, those specific books that I mentioned earlier on, Amos, Hosea, and Jonah, because they lived in the same time, and also they prophesied to the same kingdom, which is the northern kingdom. According to chapter 1, verse 1, Amos saw his vision when Jeroboam II, or the son of Josh, was king of Israel. To put it in the way we can understand better, I would say this would be approximately 760 years before Jesus was born. And this would be 200 years after the nation of Israel had been divided into two parts. The 12 tribes were divided into the first 10 tribes in the northern part called Israel with their capital city at Samaria. And then you had the last two, two tribes in the southern kingdom called Judah. So God sends Amos from Judah to go to the 10 tribes in the northern part so that he would go and prophesy to that northern kingdom. But the question we'll be asking would be, what has gone wrong? What has the northern kingdom done that they are receiving this prophecy? Let's look at the situation of the time. For many years, the nation of Israel was under the oppression of Assyria uh, or the nation that Jonah and Nahum prophesied against. However, during the time of Amos, Assyria was going through internal kingship fights and they were busy also fighting with the nation that was rising north of their territory. Therefore, if you read 2 Kings chapter 14 from verse 23 to 29, this whole situation translated into the time of exceptional peace and prosperity for Israel. Jeroboam number two expanded the boundary of Israel as Jonah had prophesied earlier on. Israel also controlled trade routes. They had a stable agricultural economy and they even had a strong army. Religiously, things also seemed to be going well because as just, I just mentioned earlier on, 200 years before Amos' time, before the division of the kingdom, Jeroboam number one set worship centers in places in the northern kingdom at Bethel, Gilgal, and Beersheba and dedicated these as the worship centers where the Israelites would go to worship 
instead of going to Jerusalem. And although this was sinful, but religious activities in these places reached their climax during Amos' time. Unfortunately, though, the great peace, this kind of peace and economic prosperity, and even increased religious activities, took the people far away from their relationship with God and with one another. Israel imported many ways and ideas from the Palestinian world, and they incorporated this in their society and religion. And this resulted into corrupted religion, classes in the society of the rich and the poor, where the rich were oppressing, victimizing, and exploiting the poor. If you read Amos chapter 2, verse 6 to 12, God weeps at the sins of Israel, saying in verse 6, they sell the innocent for silver. They trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground, and they deny justice to the oppressed. Father and son use the same girl as so profane my holy name. They lie down beside every altar and garments taken in pledge. I raise up prophets from among you, Israel, but you made the prophets drink wine, and, and, and then you commanded the prophets to not prophesy. In summary, Israel of Amos' time was at an advanced stage of decay. Socially, morally, and religiously, where the society was experiencing great injustice. So it is to this community that God sent Amos to go and prophesy at Israel's very heart of worship, Bethel. And preaching in the new territory, Amos decided to use a specific technique to gain reception. So the way he started was to start by giving justice, uh, giving judgment to the nations that were around Israel, beginning with Syria, that was very far, to Judah, that was closer to Israel. If you read Amos chapter 1 and Amos chapter 2, verse 4 to 5. And as the northerners would have started to get excited to say, yes, God deal with them. They have been evil people. Amos comes with the messages, the message that is in chapters 2 to chapter 9. And it says, and you, Israel, God will judge you as well. The message is simple. Israel has sinned. Israel is sinful, is dead and unrighteous. And Israel needs to seek the Lord. But the question is, why should Israel seek the Lord? Amos chapter 5 gives two reasons. And that's where we spend most of our time. The first reason is because God is the source of all life. In chapter, one, in chapter 5, verse 1 to 6. And the second one 
is because God is righteous and just. Verses 7 to 15. So let us now get into our passage. Why should Israel seek the Lord? It is because God is the source of all life. Verse 1 to 6. And then that continues in verse 16 to 17. And it continues from verse 18 to 22. Our passage starts with a prophetic sermon similar to the one that you are going to find when you read Amos chapter 3 verse 1 and Amos chapter 4 verse 1 where Israel is called upon to hear this word. However, unlike the other chapters, verse 2 shows that the word that Israel needs to hear is a lament, which is a funeral song. So by just hearing Amos mentioning the word lament, the people who are listening to him would have been wondering to say, who has died now? And the shocking news of verse 2 is to say, it is the virgin Israel herself. She is fallen never to rise again. In Israel, let me say, a virgin referred to a young, reputable woman who has not given birth. As seen in the case with Jephthah's daughter, if we read Judges chapter 11, verse 38, the death of a virgin in Israel called for great mourning. The picture is that of, of like a dead young woman laid on the ground with tears and the laments of a grieved parent, and even her betrothed would never even revive her. It is a hopeless death, for it means the end of her family line. Here, in our passage, Amos uses a military term, fallen, to indicate that the virgin Israel has died already. This is why when you come to verses 16 and verse 17, Amos says that there will be great mourning in all Israel because just as it was in Egypt, Yahweh has not passed over, but he has passed through Israel in judgment due to Israel's hardness of heart, just as the Egyptians. Take note here that by treating his listeners as dead people, Amos wants to rouse them into recognizing the hopelessness of their situation. Amos emphasized the hopelessness of Israel's sin by illustrating it in two ways. This is how he presents their state. Firstly, in verse 3, he downplays the strong military that Israel had and was relying on by mentioning to say that, of course, with that military, Israel may have 1,000 soldiers that will go into war, but only 10 broken will return. Secondly, in verses 18 to verse 20, Amos uses the idea of the day of the Lord. Israel will be punished together 
with the other nations since Israel has become like the other nations. So Israel has nowhere to, learn, to run. Just as when we read verse 19, it's like a man who, who manages to free from a lion and a bear is still beaten by a snake in his own house and he eventually dies. In other words, it is a hopeless situation. So after presenting a lament and its illustration, Amos seems to have known that his listeners would have been a bit confused to say, why is it that Amos is portraying us as, as, as dead? What was we are flourishing here? We have life and everything else, and we seem to have the information that God has appointed us. Then how can we live? So as a messenger of God, in verses 4 to 6, Amos responds, Thus says the Lord, Seek me and live. According to Amos, Indeed, there is judgment and death sentence which has been appointed. However, before this judgment, God already made a provision for life. In other words, though judgment has been pronounced, the final death statement has not been passed. There is yet a chance for survival for Israel if Israel only seeks the Lord. This means that if you are listening, this call for life that Amos is presenting now cancels out the funeral lament that we have just seen in the very first verses. The divine judgment is reversible, not irreversible, but only if Israel seeks the Lord. In verse 5, Amos presents something that is very important as he follows the command of Israel needing to seek the Lord. The word seek in our passage is used four times. Three times we see it in verses 4 to 6 and in these verses, verse 4 to 6, the command is used three times and is presented in a way that is positive. Israel needs to seek the Lord. Then in verse 5, there is a negative command. Israel should not seek Bethel, Gilgal, or Beersheba. The question would be, what are these places? Bethel means house of God. And was a place where Jacob made an important agreement with God, if you read Genesis chapter 28. And where God promised to give the land of Canaan to his descendants. Well, Gilgal that is used here is a place where Israel elected their first memorial after entering into the promised land. 
And it is where the Israelites were even circumcised, showing that they were leaving behind all the corrupting influence of Egypt. If you read Joshua chapter 5, verse 1 to 9. Therefore, Bethel, Beersheba, and Gilgal represented the presence of God among the Israelites. And as mentioned earlier on, Jeroboam I established shrines or worship centers in these places where the people from the northern kingdom would go to worship instead of Jerusalem. So by the time of Amos, these places were associated with the sinful disrespect to God. Amos chapter 4, verse 4, shows how the Israelites had forgotten even the basic foundations of their relationship and their communion with God because the passage tells us that they came to Bethel to sin and even to Gilgal to sin more. So Bethel and Gilgal gradually merged into gross idolatry. There were places where Israel presumed to have been worshipping Yahweh, even though they were practicing all the grosser forms of pagan worship. In these places, there was drunkenness and corruption. Both priests and prophet were under the influence of strong drink in the very administration of the sacred offices. Connected with their religious rites were practices of the most degrading nature like sexual immorality and temple prostitution. Yet, these people would still meet, sang songs, oh God, you are holy, and say that they were worshipping the Lord. Isn't this just giving a picture of what we usually do as people? Playing with God, playing with his very holiness in his face. Of course, remember that. As people were looking at Israel from outside, they would have been admiring them as the true worshippers of their God. But that's not, God, that's not how God looked at them. They were not worshipping him at all. For according to verses 22 and 24, God mentions to say that their music became annoying noise to him. God hated their songs and despised their sacrifices. So, the outwardly seemingly faithful worshipper of Yahweh, Israel, was dead spiritually. They were already dead to God. And her only hope was to seek the Lord, to be reconnected to the source of life, who according to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we know that he breathed into a clay model and it came to life. 
Israel should seek the Lord. But their seeking of the Lord should be divorced from the sanctuaries. Why should they, should they not focus on looking at the sanctuaries? It's because the sanctuaries, Gilgal, will be exiled and Bethel will cease to exist. Friends, it is easy, isn't it, to start judging Israel here. Look at the sinful people who lacked faithfulness in the Lord, we would say. But look at the passage. There is a special warning that it is bringing to you and me today as the community of God. The warning is that it is possible to be a committed and a religious person who is faithful to religion and who is satisfied with church activities but whose relationship with God was divorced long time ago. It is possible to be a theology student or even a person who listens to the word preached every Sunday at St. Barnabas Church, but whose closeness to God is the story of the past. It is possible to be a diligent member of the music team or even a leader in the church, but whose very life denies the faithfulness of God and keeps on sinning in the very face of God through those responsibilities. It is very easy to be a person whom people may run to to seek counsel, but who no longer seeks God's counsel as revealed in his word. If this is a case with your life, if this is a case with my life, then like Israel, we are dead whilst we are living. However, the situation is not hopeless for us. For just as he called on Israel through Amos the prophet, God is speaking to you and calling you today to allow his spirit revisit your relationship with God and show you where you need to come to him. How has your relationship with God been? God is saying, seek me and leave. You are not late. Return and come to me. So seek him today because he is the life giver. But that's the first reason. Israel should seek the Lord because he is the life giver. And the second reason that is given, Israel should seek the Lord because God is righteous and just. Verses 7 to 15, continuing to verse 23 to 27. 
Amos presents this truth by showing how Israel is unrighteous as seen in the injustices that are happening in their community. He begins in verse 7, if you look at it, where he knows that Israel's public and religious leadership is full of the people who turn over justice to bitterness, thereby casting righteousness to the ground. Let me mention that justice as it is used here is the legal order that God set aside. If you read Proverbs 29, for the purpose of restoring those wronged and freeing the oppressed. Well, righteousness is something that is as it should be. Something that is real, pure, and true. And by using the imagery of bitterness in verse 7, Amos shows that the legal system of Israel became unpleasant for others. Israel didn't heed to God's law. They turned the whole legal system upside down. In their courts, the champion of the truth became the object of hate and was despised, if you read verse 10. The result of which, of course, was injustices and corruption. Bribing judges to twist cases became the order of the day. Doesn't this just sound like today? And as if that were not enough, in verse 11, Amos accuses the privileged for trampling on the poor. What does that mean? This was oppressing the poor by first taking their land, and when the poor would go to rent the very land that belonged to them, the privileged would then impose huge tax on their wheat as a rental payment. If the poor failed to pay this tax, the privileged came and took away a huge portion of the poor's harvest. With all this, verse 11 tells us that the rich became richer and they built houses of stones and planted vineyards whilst the poor were lacking shelter and food. Israel's way of life was transgressing the justice and righteousness of the covenant. Friends, we are talking about the community of God here. Believers, God's own covenant chosen people who were supposed to be God's light to the world. How can you shine to someone who is far if you are failing to be the light, love, and support to those close to you. So Israel was unrighteous. Would God just overlook their sin? The last part of verse 11 says no. Actually, 
the Deuteronomy 28 cases will apply. The oppressors will not live in the houses they built. They will not drink the wine of their planted vineyards. But look at the contrast that Amos presents in verse 8 and 9 to the sinful Israel. There is the God who made the world in righteousness as seen in the beautiful stars of the air, Pleiades and Orion. This God maintains its order and governs it in justice as seen in, in his continuous turning of midday to dawn and darkness into light. For Amos, although Israel was a chaotic society, nothing is chaotic with God, and hence for Israel to be realigned to God, who is the righteous God, exile was coming, because that's the way Israel will be purged of the sin. Amazingly, in all this sin, and though Israel deserves exile, God is first calling Israel to seek him. Israel should seek the righteous and just God, since it is only with him that they can once again be a righteous community of order and justice. In verses 14 and 15, Amos tells Israel how they should seek the Lord. It is by positively seeking good and negatively hating evil, if you read verse 15. Israel must hate evil with the same passion as they hated the champion of justice in the court, just as we read in verse 10. But what does seeking good mean? In the Old Testament, the clause seek good only appears in Esther chapter 10, verse 3, where Mordecai is described as someone who seeked good for his people, which means that Mordecai was working for the people to live in happiness and comfort. So according to Amos, individual Israelites should work or look for the best interests of other people and not just their own. This points to the moral living that is characteristic of the covenant people who obey God. This good is only found in God. Therefore, Israel needs to seek good by seeking the Lord. Take note of something here. Their pursuit of the righteous God would lead Israel to realize their sinfulness and hence repentance. This intent, of course, would translate into the ethical and moral life, establishing justice in the court and the reversal of all the social injustices. Israel 
would then again be the community of God where justice rolls down like a river and righteousness like ever-flowing waters, if you read verse 24. Israel should wholeheartedly love good, not evil, in order to avoid destruction. So there is hope for Israel. Israel can be saved if Israel repents. Here, I must say, it is very easy to think that Israel's action means buying God's grace or working for their salvation. However, the word perhaps in verse 15 denies that thinking. Israel's repentance does not automatically avert their judgment. The final say is with God. And it will only be God who would act in his mercy and grace. Sadly though, even though there were all these calls, Amos chapter 6 to 9, uh, that we'll look at next week, will show us that Israel kept on sinning. Amos kept on interceding, God forgiving, up to the time when the Lord would not keep Israel's sin anymore, and he sent them into exile to fulfill what verses 1 and 3 have spoken to us this morning. Still though, in his faithfulness, grace and mercy, without Israel's action, God, as we will see next week in chapter 9, will preserve a remnant for Israel. Friends, Israel was a chosen nation. God's own people who had God's word many times but did not allow that word to change them. They were not living as the redeemed community. Therefore, they failed to be the light to the world. In this failure, of course, if we read Hebrews chapter 8, the passage tells us that God made a new covenant that is mediated by his righteous son, Jesus, who faithfully kept on seeking God until his death on the cross. It is in this covenant where 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 tells us that we have become, and I quote, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Friends, God has called us to a holy living and he wants us to live as the children of the light to declare his praises. Does the way you live declare his praises? Does the way you relate to others show God in you? How do you relate to your wife, to your children, to your fiancé, to your husband? 
Do they see Christ in you in the same way an outsider seems to see you as a believer or not? Does the way you relate to someone within this church show Christ in you? Has your knowledge of God changed the way you live? Have you been living as the redeemed? Can someone sitting next to you this morning say that they see Christ in you? It is possible, I know, that you may have been that kind of a Christian who has been a stumbling block to others. And Amos says, seek the Lord. Perhaps you may have been mistreating other people, maybe even who work for you. Amos says, seek the Lord. You might have been looking down at other people. What Amos is saying to you this morning is seek the Lord. Are you willing to seek this Lord today and continuously? But maybe you may be saying, no, things are fine with me. I don't have any problems. Amos says to you this morning, seek the Lord. Because your problem may be overconfidence, self-satisfaction, or self-righteousness. You need God to be righteous. Because as Isaiah 64 warns us, that self-righteousness is filthy rags before the Lord. It is only him, through his righteous son, Jesus, who makes us righteous, and who enables us to live righteous and holy lives that are considerate of others. In conclusion, what have you been seeking? Is it religion? Is it honor? Knowledge? Maybe academic excellence? Praises? financial stability or is it acceptance and maybe recognition? How have you been seeking this? Perhaps it is in pursuit of these and many others that you have distanced yourself from God and have hurt others. Amos raises a red flag for you this morning. He says to you like he spoke to Israel, stop, stop, stop. Stop seeking the emptiness of this world that will cease to exist. Rather seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek the Lord and seek him Continuously, because it is the only way that you can live and live a righteous and a just life. It is in Him 
and him alone that we will live and continue to please the Lord. And since I know that it is difficult for us to seek God alone, it is good to come to him in prayer and requesting him to help us by the power of his Holy Spirit to seek him faithfully. Please bow with me as I read us, as I lead us in prayer. Father God, in the mighty name of your son Jesus Christ, we come before your presence this morning. Father, you're calling us to seek you and you alone. We come this morning before you, O oh God. May you bring each one of us closer to you. May we live in you. And may you make us righteous through your son, Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray all this, trusting Lord, you are with us. Help us to seek you, and seek you more, and continuously as we go into this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.